Bakerpedia. The simplest commercial baking resource. Brought to you by Bakerpedia and hosted by Lynn Carson with a PhD in grain sciences. Sharing knowledge and helping you grow connections. Listening to the Baked in Science podcast. Welcome to Baked in Science. Today I will be focusing on getting you answers to problems for baking with high fiber in sweet goods. I will also be bringing you an update on the FDA regulation on fiber. Hi, I'm your host, Lynn Carson, CEO of Bakerpedia. What is Bakerpedia, you ask? It's the world's largest online depository of technical baking information. Now, we can't provide this without our sponsors. So, before we start, I need to do a shout out to our sponsor. We'd like to thank Grain Millers for sponsoring this podcast. For over 30 years, Grain Millers has been the baking industry leader for organic, non-GMO, and gluten-free ingredients in all kinds of baked goods. Their newest oat fiber line can help you clean up labels and provide functional benefits. To learn more, contact them at 800-443-8972 or visit their new website at grainmillers.com. That's G-R-A-I-N-M-I-L-L-E-R-S dot com. Hey, listeners, I have a treat today for you. We have two people here who are very expert in their fields on answering questions on fiber used in sweet, uh, sweet goods. So we have Lee. Lee Sanders. I'm the Senior Vice President for Government Relations and Public Affairs for the American Bakers Association in Washington, D.C. Very cool. And we have Roberto. Roberto Serrano from uh, Gray Millers. Um, I'm a Vice President of uh, Technology as well as Innovation. Yeah, that's great. Um, Lee and I actually did a previous podcast before the, 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 the recent ruling of... Um, um, what FDA came down with the fiber regulations and after maybe like two days after our podcast it came through I'm like darn I need to catch Lee again so mm-hmm. thank you so much for coming on and meeting me here at IFT and doing this again yeah <laughs> I'm so sorry about that but you can never predict what FDA is going to do right well, it's really exciting that there's new information to share with your listeners today and so the fact that in June FDA put forth eight additional fiber sources that they're recognizing is terrific. Um, I know that that is really helpful to the baking industry. Mm -hmm. Um, And while it's not a complete list, we're still waiting on 12 additional petitions for there to be a final decision there. The extra guidance that they put out is really being helpful. The fact that they have the mixed plant cell wall fibers, that um, some examples of that would be like sugarcane fiber, oat hull fiber, corn hull, that's really helpful. And then they also have some enforcement discretion that they're allowing for record keeping. If you're using any of those with the original seven um, non-digestible fibers. So this is really great news for the baking industry. But we're hoping that there's more good news on the way after they review these additional petitions. Right. Um, How does oat fiber stand in all this? 
Well, I mean, you've got the oat hull fiber, so mm-hmm. that's now part of the mixed cell wall fiber. Okay. So that's moving forward. Yay. I still think, though, that there's some additional um, decisions that need to be made that, mm-hmm. that could potentially provide some additional opportunities and resources for bakers. Yeah, I think you'll hear a lot of hooray in the background right? yes. for that particular Yeah, and so the good thing that I would mention is for folks here at IFT is that on Wednesday morning, the 18th at 10:30, um, there's a great you know expert panel on dietary fiber, the new regulations, methodologies, and industry response. I think that's going to be a great resource for folks. And then subsequent to that, the American Bakers Association is also going to be doing a webinar um, to gather additional information. So either later this summer or early fall. Lee, how will this impact the industry economically? Well, Lynn, that's a great question, and it's already impacted us significantly. Folks have had to kind of reevaluate their fiber sources, and so in a um, economic uh, regulatory impact analysis that we shared with OMB back in May, the Office of Management and Budget, uh-huh. we showed how, and we did a case study just on bread, so not on sweet goods, but on one product, on bread, that it potentially could cause the price of bread to go up 16 cents per pound. Oh and so that is significant when, is. You, when you think about that. And that potentially could mean that less consumers are eating bread. Right. So that could impact the sale of bread um, and, and, and fiber is a necessary ingredient it's absolutely in guess what it that's going to be more expensive it I mean, doesn't it, make sense it's really you know? frustrating in a time when both USDA and FDA and the dietary guidelines are encouraging people to eat more fiber that they've taken away a number of exactly. resources and so you know the fact that this could from an economic standpoint it could impact consumers ability or their desire to purchase bread is very concerning. What do you think would be the next ruling on fiber? Well that's a really great question because you know they they did mention that you know while they're doing this enforcement discretion um, for these new the eight new isolated or synthetic non-digestible carbohydrates um, they said that they'd be putting out additional guidance and additional rulings. And so there's no timeline on that. I'm hoping that the IFT panel, that yeah. some of that is revealed. Yeah. Because, gosh, the, the clock is ticking with regard to the nutrition facts label. And so while That's we're true. really uh, appreciative to FDA for giving us that additional time until January 1 of 2020, the clock is ticking for bakers. And the longer that we have to wait for all of the answers, the less time they have to potentially reformulate, repackage. I mean, we know, and one of the things we talked to OMB about was that it, you know, when you're you're starting from a base level, it's going to take at least 18 months to get some of these, um, you know, yeah, to go through the packaging. whole process with yeah, a product. Yeah. And so each product's different. It's not a drop-in solution. Yeah. Everything is different. And so, you know, while we appreciate that extra time, it still may not be enough time if we don't get all those answers really soon. So let's let's hope it's all like Let's hope it's this <laughs> summer. Yeah. That would be <laughs> ideal. So if bakers have more information on the legislation and the legislative status 
of these ingredients, how do they? How well, from they a from you? a regulatory process, you know, I uh, our Food and Technical Regulatory Affairs Committee, we talk. Uh, we're having another meeting in September, and we're certainly this will be a topic of discussion. Mm-hmm. Another thing we have done is to, you know, it's our job as the trade association for bakeries to um, talk to members of Congress about this. And we have several members. A lot of them are medical doctors that are very interested in very this good. issue mm-hmm. and deal uh, or sit on the appropriations committee, specifically right. the agriculture appropriations that um, has direct oversight over FDA. And so just keeping them informed of the process and the timing, you know, that that is where we have asked them to, to put um, some pressure on FDA to encourage them to move quickly. Mm-hmm. And so we'll just continue to do that. Well, thank you, Lee. You're welcome. Now that we've um, cleared the air on regulations, let's go on to the science of things. We have Roberto here. I've known Roberto for a while, and he is just an expert on fiber application. Um, if we have any problems, you know, we can always approach, you know, Grain Miller's Roberto to answer those fiber questions. Um, because Roberto has such an immense expertise in this area. What is your experience in the baking field, Roberto? Well, I, I, I used to, uh, uh, in addition to washing bottles, I, I used to run the uh, mixing floors. Really? And uh, I, I had the pleasure of working probably one of the largest bakery in the United States on the one roof. Really? Uh, wow. So, uh, probably when uh, the advent of uh, liquid sponge came into being. Uh, we were the first ones to introduce it um, into the baking industry, uh, saving a lot of money. And Can I ask who that is? Your, uh, yes, it's uh, Arnold's uh, Bakeries, or oh, Wheat, wow. uh, okay. uh, in Greenwich, Connecticut. Wow, okay. And uh, to say the least, uh, I think uh, uh, that changed uh, baking for the good. Yes, uh, high I speed totally baking. Agree. Yeah. yeah, the mm. liquid sponge aspect. Yeah. Yes, right. yes. And um, when bakers use fiber in baked goods, especially sweet baked goods, um, because why sweet baked goods? Right, you said. You know, it's just tough. It's a lower gluten system. There's no network to support that fiber. It's dependent on, not on fermentation, it's dependent on the chemical leavening system. It's just hard to get a rice out of it. What is your advice to a baker who is formulating for a high fiber, say, muffin or cookie? Actually, muffin, really, because it's really tough. Yeah. Well, I I think you bring up probably one of the most challenging scientific areas in the area of, uh, of, of fiber. And when I speak of fiber, I, I think I need to pre-qualify that. Um, we, we look at fiber and the definitions that we have seen uh, postulated by uh, FDA and any number of manufacturers and sources, you know, we have soluble, insoluble fibers and they offer opportunity for bakers to look into as sources of fat mimetics. And in doing so, uh, we know and um, we have spearheaded efforts to try to get fibers not only to absorb water, water is just one of the items, but also to be able to uh, 
uh, mimic the texture of lipids. Mm -hmm. and, and at that, you know, we uh, have been spearheading insoluble fibers to become actually replacements for uh, high fats. Yeah. So in the area of um, muffins, and you know, I would be as bold as to say that uh, in croissants and the like, where you know uh, really? we're going to be dealing exactly because of the of the, of the volume of, of those products in, in the market um, and, and and high quality cuisine. Um, I think uh, those are areas that fibers are going to play a significant role in replacing fat. Right. And um, the beauty of it is that uh, we have already seen some fibers uh, that can actually be formulated to replace as, as much as 25% of the, of the fat within. Really? Yes. Wow. So all these are uh, extremely advantageous, not to speak of the uh, caloric reduction and, and also shelf life. How can someone replace fat with fiber, Roberto? Okay, the first thing that uh, needs to be addressed is what type of uh, si baking system you're working with. But for the sake of argument, let's, let's assume we're dealing with a typical muffin. And in, right. in that particular case, uh, for example, what I would do is I would prehydrate the fiber and actually find an optimum gelling capacity of that fiber. What is optimum gelling capacity? Uh, typically, what we see is that uh, fibers may absorb as low as 300% of its weight okay. um, uh, of water. And um, in, in doing so, there's some fibers that will not only absorb and be very uh, water-loving, but they would also be uh, very uh, lipophilic. And they Correct. will have the tendency also to bind on uh, to lipids. Right. Now, okay. what happens is that the hydration of certain fibers, and in particular fibers that are in the very uh, low particle size, and speaking fibers that are five microns all the way up to 20 mm -hmm. microns in size, they, and, and, and uh, they have good aspect ratios like 10 to 50, they have the tendency to exhibit some gelling properties. And if, if you incorporate that water properly, uh, what you will find is all of a sudden you have like a gel, a semi-gel. Okay. So okay. the gelling, optimal gelling capacity is the point where it can hold the most water after you add some water and it doesn't hold water. Exactly. At that point, it becomes extremely um, uh, similar to a hydrocolloid. So oh, it I gets see. to that point. So okay. if, if one could perhaps make the analogy of using a, a gum as we know it, right. uh, like a guar gum or a centum gum and the like, we can experience the same phenomena happening within the fibers that are uh, being developed in that okay. particle size range. Right. Once you have that uh, optimum hydration, optimum gelling capacity, then that can be folded into the rest oh, of, of the product. So it's just an extra step? It is an extra step. Okay. And for those bakers that, for example, wish to maybe, uh, in, in the case of, let's say, some of, some of the uh, sweet breads and the like, where you can actually do some pre-fermentation, where you can actually put the fiber in the, in the ferment, in, in the sponge okay. side, okay. and then, use that sponge 
to actually bring it back into into the flower side. So those are little nuisances that it it will come with practice. Right, right. It just takes a different mindset. Um, At the same time, my the question in my head is. Well, does the supplier provide us that information so that we don't need to like go figure it out ourselves? Great, I great mean, do point. Do we have any attack sheet or great point. what is the optimum, you know? Great, great, great question. Um, typically what, uh, what has happened, obviously, those bakers that are not really uh, uh, hardened over the years of being just traditional yeah. bakeries, <laughs> And, and you know what I'm saying. Right. Um, and, and if they are willing to, to seek uh, the advice of uh, the people who develop these fibers, mm-hmm. uh, and they, they are willing to, to listen and change some of the methodologies rather than the traditional way of, of baking, uh, I think uh, we as suppliers and sources of fibers are willing to be on the floor okay. with, with, okay. The, with the baker. Sense. Yes. Uh, but I think there's going to be a while while people get used to, well, to that. Well, I, I, I don't know if I agree with that because mm. I don't think bakers have a choice whether to change or not, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're facing such a, a yeah. tremendous change in the food scene with what we've seen here with AI. Yeah. You know, with so many things, people are demanding, uh, demanding mindful eating and yes. demanding all this transparency. Do we have the choice? No, we don't have a choice. Good point. We need to provide information on trans fat, saturated fat, sugar, and all these things. So, you know, the baker today is faced more with problems than anything, anything else. And I truly believe fiber is a solution to emulsification, to shelf life extension for clean label, and to increase intrinsically fiber in the body, which historically we've been known that Americans don't have enough of, right? Well said. So mm. I have another comment on LinkedIn that came in and said, why is my baked good, why does my baked good taste like cardboard you know what recommendations do you have for that Roberto? excellent, excellent. I, I i think that uh i've, I've heard that uh in numerous occasions um uh, and, to, and to be very honest um we we're exploring uh fields of uh uh micro pulverization uh which oh, that's which which, which which is um actually uh, an arena that has been uh uh, looked at uh, for for many years, but it's all about BTUs and energy consumption to get it down to a level where textural characteristics can be pretty much uh, removed from the palate. So the, the the point is well taken, and I, I and I hear that uh, from customers. Uh, but now we are able. Uh, so we look at a threshold, and that threshold happens to be anywhere in between. Uh, 20 to 25 microns and anything at that level and below we find it to be completely uh, texturally acceptable where really? where the tongue is unable to that discern so whether you have a grainy note or not so oh, it's wow. it's how it all works out and add to the to to that point the fact that um, at at that micron level which is below the colloidal state, the right. colloidal state being right at about 75 microns. We're dealing with 20 to 25, and you imagine that if these particles are able to be hydrated 
And let's use the term lubrication when water is imbibing to these particles. Then the, the, the tongue, the palate cannot oh, discern wow. it. That's so that's interesting. So yeah. you're saying is the reason why something tastes like a cardboard is because it's not fully hydrated Correct. and not functional. Correct. And you have a solution to that that you're looking into, which is micropulverization. Yes. That's a mouthful. <laughs> Thank you for challenging me today. Yes. Um, that will bring this down to 20 to 25 microns, mm -hmm. have better surface area for hydration, and therefore better lubrication and functionality of the fiber. That, that is correct. Wow, that mm -hmm. blows my mind today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, yeah. So if our bakers have any questions, then can they reach out to you? and? By all means. All right, uh, yes. okay, and we'll include your email, you know, and how to reach you down below in the show notes. Please do. Yeah, mm -hmm. so one more question. Why fiber and high fiber goods? Why fiber and sweet goods? In sweet goods, yes. Um, as, as you know, indulging uh, uh, is, 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 is in human uh, DNA. Yeah, uh, actually, it is actually increasing. <laughs> that category in baked goods is actually seeing totally. some growth. Yes. Totally, totally, yeah. totally. And uh, the more stressed society gets, it's, it seems like they default to more indulgence because I That's deserve true. it. Uh, and so, and <laughs> exactly, in these <laughs> stressful times. And so, the, the, the thought of uh, being able to uh, assist bakers to producing, um, I wouldn't call it necessarily healthy products, but healthier than we currently formulate Absolutely. as food scientists right. is, right. is, 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 a, is, is a breath of fresh air. So. That's true. And yeah. I'm, I'm always a proponent of putting more fiber yeah. in there in yes. everything we eat. And I picked something up and like, why isn't there fiber or whole wheat in here? I, know. You know, I just don't eat anything that's <laughs> so, you know, white anymore. Right? Yes. Something that has particulates. Correct. You know, it's, it's hard to get any particulates in sweet goods. It's like, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Correct. So hopefully we'll push some more bakers out there to think about it. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you today for coming on. You bet. I have one more question for Lee um, because I just like to put you on the spot. Um, <laughs> okay. What are we going to expect in terms of regulations in the following months for bakers? Oh well, that's a great question, and yeah. there's always new issues that are evolving. So uh, I think the one that's probably at the top of everyone's um, interest right now is the bioengineered food disclosure. Yes, and so, you know, there was a comment period that closed on July 3rd for that mm -hmm. proposed rule. You know, by statute, because Congress is the one that said USDA needed to put a regulation together, they're supposed to do that, have that finalized rule by July 29th, just mm. like in a week, right? Yeah. So I don't think that's going to happen, but um, we all commented on um, some of the key issues, which I can go over. So definitely the definition of BE, so what should be in and out. And so I know that the American Bakers Association said that they, you know, when they're looking at the definition, it shouldn't include incidental additives like yeast or microorganisms, food derived from animals, organic foods. 
Um, you know, whether they should disclose refined ingredients, that's a big issue. Mm -hmm. Our members, the ABA that's members, huge the majority of our members, um, over 70% said yes, they should disclose. Wow. Then the threshold, you know, should the threshold be 0.9% or 5%? Our members thought that for the majority said um, for inadvertent and technically unavoidable, it should be 0.9%. And that's also probably the right uh, threshold for international trade too because That's a lot true. of other right. you know countries see that 0.9 right. we said that foreign suppliers foreign you know um, importers should also have to abide by the same regulations um, we lo were looking for flexible record keeping with all of these new things and be able to use existing records so you don't have to create a new layer of records um, you know, being able to keep all of our options for either a symbol on the package or using electronic, um, like a QR code with a smart label. Um, as far as timing, you know, I think it's great that um, a little earlier this summer that, uh, that um, both FDA and USDA said that they wanted to align the uh, implementation dates for this, and I think that's great. But we need two years and so what we what ABA said in our comments is that it would be great if you could align with that January 1 2020 but whenever that final rule comes out on the BE disclosure that mm -hmm. it should be two years from there and that wouldn't preclude you know bakers from putting something on their label sooner if they were able to so are you seeing that GMO labeling is coming yeah, I mean it's That's it's coming. That's kind of scary, right? It's coming. <laughs> it's like the BE disclosure deal. is coming. Right. Um, and but there's something that you know the food industry wanted because having different regulations for each state to have a patchwork is is yeah. not you know it, it just won't work that's and true. so we needed one federal standard and that's what we're getting so that's we're awesome. pleased with that that's moving forward that's great thank you for that update i think you have really piqued some interest in this um appreciate that you both spend your ift time with me today i really appreciate that and um thanks for coming on this podcast was made possible by our sponsor, Grain Millers. Could your big product benefit from added shelf life, reduced breakage, or a fiber boost? Grain Millers oat fiber can help. And since it is intrinsic and intact, it can help preserve clean labels, especially for your sweet goods. To speak with a technical expert or request a sample, call 800 443 8972 or visit their website at greenmillers.com One more thing before we end, please like, comment and subscribe to Baked in Science Till the next episode bakers, bake with every fiber of your being See you later